PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have that if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning the fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. I'm concerned they could burn this bitch to the ground and it still wouldn't be enough and they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge Chris Crespo Radio Show everybody likes it listen to his shit episode 387 of Cinema Crespity. So, oh my God, we're doing this thing again. Drew mm-hmm. Stockburn, how you doing? Okay. That's good, sir. Good, good, good. To, oh, these are wrong notes here. It's 381. Uh, good to see you. Good to hear from you. I haven't seen you in a long time. When I mean, it? yeah, it's been a whole, what, like two days? I think it was Maybe three. It's been a couple of days at least. If not three full days, uh, we are here. The world is uh, still on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. fires have been put out, mm-hmm. which, is, which is interesting. But um, it's it's funny you don't you're off the interwebs in many ways. Mm-hmm. Don't do a lot of social media. You're mm-hmm. really a podcast guy. Nope. Uh, but listening this week in like response to world events, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of shows who are uh, feeling need to do some little extra. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, maybe they're doing a pre-roll or uh, just doing a whole episode devoted to... A pre-roll? What, they sit there and smoke a joint? They sit there and they smoke a joint and they're like, we're white guys, but like, we know that black lives matter, man. But you hear them like struggling to say, we know that black lives matter. And they oh, get I said it. Like, I said oh, it. Hey, I'm a hero now, right? I'm a hero. Right? I'm a hero. I'm a hero. Right? I, I, put, I, I put a black thing on my profile picture. Now I'm a hero, right? Yes. I, I've done my part. I've done my part. You ever know that you're my hero? And uh, I'm like, 
are we going to do anything extra, extra for us? But then I'm like, but we already, I'm already annoying with all the, the constantly pointing out the racism yeah. and the yeah. bullshit and the mm. Hollywood hypocrisy. Yeah. I feel like mm. I'm, I'm on top of that already. I don't no, have been. Right? So yeah. don't try to turn that up a little bit. I mean, if you want, it's up to you. It's tiring. That shit's tiring. I mean, the only thing I got to say about it is. I mean, black, it's tiring. Listen to Killer Mike. P- pick any song that pick he has song. ever rapped on and listen to the lyrics with your ears and your mind and you yeah, that one press conference they got it got shared a lot on yeah. on Twitter and yeah. stuff which is a lot of There's fun. also uh there's a logic track called oh man I don't even remember what it's called but he does a uh he almost does like a it sounds like a church sermon speech at, oh. at the end mm-hmm. uh and I did some research on it and he just basically went into the booth and it was much like uh, his, you know, thing on the news, mm-hmm. where it was just he was just speaking the truth yeah. from his heart, yeah. and it came out sounding like the most amazing thing sure. you've ever heard in your entire life, like a great sermon. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, he, and he he does it as if he's in a church talking to God too. Well, and I'm not a religious person, but if I can, but he, you got it. It got you, yeah. You felt, you felt it. Yeah, it got me. Uh, maybe it's also because we're so used to so many of our uh, leaders who are uh, buffoon, bumbling idiots who can't really put a couple sentences together without talking about China. But uh, this guy, you know, he's uh, says something impassioned and it makes sense. God, and uh, it's full of salient, interesting points and it's cogent thought. You know that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? What? What is? What is this? Uh, so the track I'm talking about is called. Uh, where god damn I just said it's called Confess it's off of Logic's 2017 album Everybody highly recommend listening to it there we go Drew recommends Confess by Logic from 2017 I'm just gonna go ahead and add that to your media diet yeah. uh, in the media diet we will be talking about RTJ4 for sure mm-hmm. because we've both been listening to that on our own and a little bit together yeah and uh but you know what i was like come on maybe we can skew this episode a little more towards the cause you know what i mean yeah i mean we got a platform might as well use it got a platform it's a small platform but it's there might as well use it for what we can i can i i I can i can take uh i can take one of drewster's famous stands time for a drewster Take that stand. Do yourself a favor. Punch a Nazi in the face today. All right. That's our new segment, Trucer Stand. Trucer takes a stand. <laughs> that one's an easy one to defend, I think. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, actually, that sounds like a terroristic threat. I mean, it does. That, condo- sound, that sounds anti-fascist I, I, to I, me. I mean, it definitely does condone violence, but it's violence against violent fascists. Right, which makes you anti-fascist. Which makes you Antifa. So what? Now you're a, you're so, a so a terrorist now? Yeah. <laughs> so someone's going to report this episode now. It's like the FBI. And they're going to come knocking at my door. I'm like, he doesn't live here, man. He's a, the other 874. And they're going to go, my, my bad. But it's a no-knock warrant. So they're yeah, going so to so kill me in my sleep. I, I, you're looking for Drewster Cogburn? I don't know where he lives. I don't, I don't even know who he is. You got to look up Drewster Cogburn <laughs> in the phone book. Yeah. He, find he, him. Find his legal address and then go knock on his fucking door. Is he in the yellow pages? <laughs> Is an LLC, Drusa Cogburn LLC. Looked it up on on Sunbiz. Is the Zav address there? No, oh, you guys are fucked. He's all he's a construct made whole. He's an AI program that we've successfully integrated into local podcasting Wah, community. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> see see how fake that laugh sounded because it's an AI program. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the original laugh that we came up with, and we and it's, a, that it's as, a really a dumb AI too. It's not very smart. No, no, it already does uh, very <laughs> very basic uh, podcasting humor. Um. Let me see. I was going to pull up here. So the, the there are a few accounts online who are 
putting out some interesting things. For example, I have here from IMDb, mm-hmm. the Internet Movie Database. Okay. It's been around for a while. Yes. They, they put out a graphic, uh, a what to watch graphic. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I've seen most of these, so I can, you know, can back them up. Uh, and I'm going to say these really fast, so it's not like, if you want to watch them, it's a podcast. So you can re- rewind, pause, you know, mm-hmm. write that, yeah. write something down, Google it. Um, so if any of these sound interesting to you, um, look them up. Uh, obviously, but some of them are obvious. Mm-hmm. Right? Twelve Years a Slave. Do the right thing. Sorry. Fruitful Station. I haven't seen it yet. Get out. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> uh, the documentary. I am not, not your, your Negro. Negro. Yeah. yeah, that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Just Mercy, which we're going to review yeah. here in mm-hmm. a minute. Mudbound, which is on uh, Netflix. You know, every time I see the the faces on the Netflix, I'm like, these are all talented actors. Why am I not interested in this movie? Oscar nominated film. Uh, oh, was it? Yes. Didn't even notice that. And uh, the, the cinematographer is Rachel Morrison. Know, something about the trailer is just like I'm. I don't know. Because it's just another heavy-handed, like, racism. In the South. In America. Yeah, exactly. The it's like, I don't need to see this message. I'm sure it's really well made. But still, it's a good movie. And Rachel Morrison is a director of photography. I think it was for that one that she was nominated for Ooh, okay. cinematography, making her the first female Oh, DP. really? Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not, now, now I have to watch it. I think it's that one. She was either, Damn it. She did shoot that. She was either nominated for that or was she nominated for Black Panther? Because I mean, if, if it was nominated for an Oscar for cinematography, that means it's going to be fucking gorgeous. It looks great. My, my, it's like dreary gorgeous. Well, duh. It's yeah, the South. It's the South. <laughs> it's a racist I've South. spent enough time in Georgia. I get it. Garrett Hedlund. <laughs> Garrett Hedlund plays a racist. Like, I believe this guy is a lot of racist. He's really good. <laughs> Um, this one I haven't heard of. Seven seconds, uh, and it's on Netflix from Vina Sud S U D. So maybe it's a Southeast Asian, and or African. And um, the Hate You Give is on Hulu. So IMDb put those out. The Enzian, mm-hmm. our local Enzian theater, yeah. put out their own list. I bet you a bunch of those are on it. Um, there are there is some overlap. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go ahead and read this list. It's a longer list, and they also had a little uh, preamble here. As an art house cinema, we stand in solidarity with black Americans and oppressed communities around the world by offering this list of recommended viewing. While this selection is not comprehensive, we hope it may be a useful place to begin seeking. Um, 13th, Ava DuVarney, it's a documentary on, yeah. on Netflix. 13th Amendment. Yeah. Uh, black Klansman, this is just an alphabetical order here. Yeah. Black Klansman. Clemency is uh, something very recent. Crime plus punishment mm-hmm. is also from 2018. Daughters of the Dust from 1991. Um, Dear White People, the movie, which got turned into the Netflix yep. show. Do the Right Thing, obviously. Get Out, right? Mm. The Hate You Give, I Am Not Your Negro. If Beale Street Could Talk, I know that's on Hulu right now. Uh, Just Mercy, again, which we're about to talk about. This I Don't Know, Life and Nothing More. From 2017, uh, Malcolm X, obviously yeah. Spike Lee. Monsters and Men, I don't know that. It's 2018. Mudbound comes up again. This I've heard of, but I've never seen. Putney Swope, a Robert Downey Sr. film from 1968. Okay. Which is an interesting choice. Um, a movie called Quest from 2017. Ava DuVernay's Selma is, um, they did the same thing that Just Mercy did, where they put it for free for everyone mm-hmm. online. Selma is now available for anyone who wants to watch it for a little while. So that's uh, from 2014. Do that if you haven't. Um, I have not seen this. Um, to Sleep With Ang from 1990. But I have seen from 1973 the documentary Wattstacks. Have you ever seen that? No. Wattstacks is cool. It's um, there I'm, f- were, I'm familiar with the story, though. Yeah, the story of how there was going to be like this big... It's a fight and a concert. It's for an Ali fight, and they're mixing a concert into it. Fight got postponed, uh, so they had the concert anyway in, um, in Watts. 
California. Next, to, I guess it's next to Oakland, mm-hmm. part of Oakland. I don't know how that works. Uh, but that's a really cool documentary. Watt stacks. One word. Um, so that's all. There's a lot of good information out there. Also, I don't know if I can find it fast enough. I had a, um, I found us some tweets of like great reading material of all sorts of stuff, fiction, nonfiction, things that speak directly to the moment now. Things that are just like generalized memoirs and black excellence, that type of thing. All that information's out there. So if people check it out, look for it, seek it, enjoy it. Um and we saw Just Mercy. Yes, yes which we did. is a benefit of there being no uh, no movies, no cinemas. Even though Florida, as of this recording, yeah. cinemas can be open up to fifty percent. Has Regal said anything yet? Regal, because I know they're because they're a nationwide company. They're not going to open up anything until they can open up most things. It's correct. So and they have not said a thing. They have even. Uh, haven't even discussed it. They, they, okay. They, they haven't committed to opening anytime okay, soon. Perfect. Which means they have the cash reserves to no. do so. You no, know what exactly. I mean? I'm totally okay with that. That's fine. They are my theater of choice or the closest I want, theater. But I want, I want, when they do it, I want them to do it right. I want to do it right. Uh, Cinemark has come out and said, we will be open for Tenet. So uh, where's the nearest Cinemark? Just in case. Nearest Cinemark to here is not close. The um, AMC says they don't think they'll even be have cash to stay operational through the end of July. So they they have to open for Tenet. No. Um, again, Tenet has not moved. No. July 17th. Still mm-hmm. holding that release date. Mulan holding yes. its July 24th release date the following week. Um, I could hold out on Mulan. I don't have to see it. No, that's fine. The uh, NATO, uh, but not that NATO, the other NATO, the North American Theater Owners or some associations, National Association of Theater Owners. There you go. They put out a statement saying they believe 90% of theaters will be open in time for tenant. I hope so. Yeah. So we'll see. But then obviously what what kind of guidelines in place? You know what I wouldn't mind? Hmm. Uh, Plexiglass dividers between each seat. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I can be like, yeah, get, get, away, get, get away from me. It might get a little warm, depending. That's that's fine. <laughs> I'll I'll free ball it. I'll do what I gotta do. I'll, uh, I'll baby powder free ball it, right? No. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'll sit there with a bandana and and breathe my own stink breath for two hours. Two oh and yeah, half totally. Hours I, I, yeah. Oh no, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Like I should have had iced coffee before this film. <laughs> Why not add Irish cream? The, uh, so you can smell it for the next two hours. Oh, this is, this is bad. Oh, this movie is good. What if this movie sucks? That would be a bummer. No! <laughs> Please, no. Entirely, entirely possible. I mean, yeah. This could be the one time he just fucking whiffs. This could be, <laughs> this could be the biggest whiff. All his worst instincts have come out on this one. Uh, we He one of the few times he didn't screen any movies we may have talked about this before for all his movies he usually screens something first when he didn't screen anything oh. and then uh, like he usually shows people Bond movies and stuff and this one is like his Bond movie and didn't show them anything and uh, I think also he didn't like give most people like the full script he did the, the Marvel thing where it's like no you only get this nope. piece you yeah. only get this piece and people are like I don't know what's going on just trust me this is what you need to know it's okay now. it's okay everything's fine man Last time a madman uh, made a movie and no one knew what was going on. It was Mad Max Fury Road. Road. And it was a fucking masterpiece. Let's see what happens. <laughs> that guy's a doctor for crying out loud. Um, so we saw Just Mercy. Just Mercy's available like everywhere for the month of June. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just went to Amazon. Yeah. Actually, I pulled up my, my SmartCast TV or whatever, mm-hmm. just the home screen. And it was like, available now. It was like, it has a big featured part on top, and it wasn't the number one featured thing. It's like, I bet you if I scroll through here, and it was the second thing. No. I was like, there you go. 
and it just took me to Amazon. No, I was about to zero dollars to rent it. Yeah, exactly. I just went to Amazon zero dollars to rent. Super super easy. Um, actually, my TV what it does it, it it's the Vizio Smartcast, so it's the it gives you the movie, and then it's like available on Amazon Voodoo. It gives you all the different options on the bottom. <laughs> anyway, so watch it on Amazon. Just Mercy, two hours and almost twenty minutes, mm-hmm. kind of long. Yeah. Uh, director, I keep Daniel Dennis Cretton Cretton Crouton Daniel Crouton is the, the director who did Short Term Twelve and is now doing the Shang Chi Legend Legend of Shang Chi or whatever it's called for Marvel. Interesting choice for that movie. He uh, is a director. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan. Yep. The lead. Playing a Harvard grad uh, attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brie Larson, who he worked with on Short Term 12, comes back to play... Uh, his assistant. His office manager. Who else we got? This We got Rachel Paul. Jamie Foxx, obviously. Jamie Foxx is the, uh, the the main dude on Death Row. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other dudes, no. including... In, in, in O'Shea Jackson O'Shea Jr. Jackson and a guy who's not Lance Reddick. Rob Morgan. Must be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not... He looks like him, but he's you not You mean Lance Tim Blake Reddick. Nelson? Oh man, Tim Blake Nelson pops up as uh, all racist, why, not necessarily racist, but why criminal guy? Yep. Of course it's Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, of course it is. Of course <laughs> it's this guy. I love this guy. Great cast. Great cast. A lot of great actors overall. Uh, and a what? story. Well, like you said, Rafe Spall, too. The guy, and then Rafe Spall. The, the, the guy that's from the Coronado series. Yes. <laughs> like, he's an English dude. Englishman. He's an Englishman. <laughs> I mean, he plays a, a nice, slimy white guy. He used, he used to be a fan Englishman. Now he's a skinny Englishman. Uh, he was like the the writer in Life of Pi. He shows up in that for some reason. Like, is that is that reason? <laughs> he's in Simon Pegg's. Uh, he's one of Simon Pegg's co-workers in um, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that fat guy? Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm a racist southern attorney, well, DA in this one. Until his wife stares at him, and he's like, I don't think I'm being shamed. I'm being just <laughs> racist. This movie. Well, at least, at, hey, at least <laughs> I will. I will say one thing. In this movie, uh, the 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 white antagonists. There are two of them that actually have a character turn. The young ones. The old, the old white men are just stuck in their they're, racist. They're race. stuck. In it. <laughs> the younger ones have. Two of them small have a turn. turns. Small yeah. turns. Yeah, yeah. Pretty funny turns. Yeah. In just in the scheme, it's like I guess I'm less racist now. Yeah. Exactly. I still wait. Are... Wait, wait a minute. This is a human being. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait a second. I mean, when you say we're gonna kill them, we're actually killing them. <laughs> is that what you said? Movie is very much, um, just as much as it being about the system is racist as it is about like the death penalty. No. Is a bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. And should we be doing this? It, it, it definitely seems to take a very... Well, it definitely takes a hard stand, a- anti-death penalty, yeah, no anti- matter what. Anti-capital punishment. Which, uh, I don't know, I haven't thought too hard on it over the years, death penalty stuff. I'm not really too into, though, Well, I mean, like state-sanctioned death. I mean, I'm definitely... <laughs> I'm, I'm not into the whole state-sanctioned death thing. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like... There are certain individuals that you cannot rehabilitate. Right. Now, in which case, so you... Well, what do you do with them? Well, no, then, <laughs> then you have two options. You either incarcerate them for life, yeah. or you fucking kill them. Or and that's them. where... Yeah. Those are your options. Some people are not fit for society. It's, bu- it's a bummer. It's weird, it's crazy, and... But then it can be used as a tool, obviously, well, I which mean, is the point of this movie. But at the, at, at the same time, I mean, a, a lot of the people that have been put to death under states' death penalties, especially in the South, are 
mostly minority, mostly poor, and a right. lot of them actually uh, mental health issues. They should be in hospitals, right? Not in prison. Which is the whole point of the online and real life movements of which is either people refer to as defund the police mm-hmm. or abolish the police, and. Some people hear that and think, oh, you just mean no police? Like, get rid of the police? And that's not what that means. It means changing the police and how they function, because how they're functioning now is not what they should be doing, which is social work. Yeah. Uh, mentally ill people, uh, you know, mental health, are having mental health crises, and the police get sent in, and then they end up, like, killing them or whatever, and, you know, that becomes a problem. Yeah, I mean, or I arresting mean, them and putting them in prison. Well, like, I, where I, they can't exa- I mean, when you, when you have an unstable man mm-hmm. who's making erratic movements mm-hmm. of course someone who's there to respond to force mm-hmm. sees that as force and responds appropriately uh, responds with force meanwhile <laughs> these same people uh, also end up in like ERs and stuff and nurses and doctors have to um restrain them yeah. and, and no, exactly. deal with violence yeah, yeah. in their and hospitals and they do it without weapons yeah. without tear gas and they figure out how to do it and they figure out how to do their fucking jobs so this that needs to be taken away from policing the whole idea of like um, homelessness dealing with making that a crim- crim- well, criminalizing homelessness and then yes. sending the police in to fix it yes, as is... opposed to the richest country in the world not just figuring out how to house people mm-hmm. um, we need to get that that's not that should, that's not a policing matter what else is in a policing matter uh, drugs 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 is a social issue it's a social issue not a criminal justice issue it needs to be completely taken wholly out of the criminal justice put into the so that's what it means to, to abolish the police. Make the police then um, uh, a, so, a function of society. They're that, supposed to protect and serve, yes. not whoop my ass for no reason. <laughs> not whoop our ass. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So this movie then emphasizes that it's like, yeah, the, the system that's set in the place, the, the police and the policing and the, the death penalty is being used and abused in a way to, to disproportionately... Um, punish minorities and minority communities and all that. And of course, it's being done in these ex-slave states where you think about how... That's sl- a whole different yeah, issue. <laughs> slavery in these regions where it was a thing before there were even states, right? There were people who were living here and generations of families were living there going back to the 16, 1700s. Slavery, 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 all the way up until the 1800s. Then it's just like segregation, segregation, all the way up until like 40 years ago. Then it's just Jim Crow, Jim Crow, prison, 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 prison. Yeah, then it's prison, 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 prison. But it's under the guise of, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're desegregated. Things are great. But no, it's prison, prison, prison. Um, but it's such a small part of that huge history that yeah. uh, that's why you got to just step back. It's then why you have to have movies like this because it helps you tell the stories. And then that's another thing. It starts right away. Small white front on the front based on a true story. If it didn't say that and it's just like, here's a story, you'd be like, this cartoonish in its... And it's racism and bigotry in the way it unfolds. Like, I there's mean, no way this shit would really happen this way. And, and, and until you read the year, until you and, read the news, and, oh, no, until until you read the year underneath it, and oh yeah, what, 1992, and what state they're in, and yeah. then it makes complete sense. Until it's 1992, Alabama, and then you're like, oh, they probably, like, actually, duh, they, they, they probably actually. Uh, uh, Held back on some of this. I'm about to say you're you're lucky you didn't get lynched right then and there. Yeah, it's, it, they probably uh, uh, glossed over something. Yeah. to make it easier yeah. for people. To no, watch. yes, yes, hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's cartoonish in its bigotry to the point where I don't. I didn't know the story. I didn't research the story ahead of time. Just watching it as a movie, where I'm like, 
okay, now here comes a scene where this racist ass dude's gonna do this, <laughs> and then five minutes oh, later, my, here it is. <laughs> my, my favorite part is when, when when the racist ass sheriff claims that he's not a racist ass sheriff, and he's like, "You just think there's this big southern conspiracy, and we're all a bunch of stupid bigots," and I'm just like, "Yeah, but you." Are yeah, yeah, no, like what, obviously. That's what his character's thinking. Is like what you are. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, racist, right now. You bunch of racist. Um, and then also when like the they cast a Jeff Sessions looking dude yeah. as the oh. as the appeals judge. Ooh. And like the way the scene plays out, everyone's so happy and the I music. Know. But then, like, but like this dude's gonna but, come but back look, and find some crazy no, exactly. way to. Deny I'm like, it. I look at the runtime. I'm like, there's no way this passes. Yeah. There's no way. Like, I. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what kind of bullshit happens, but there's no way this passes. <laughs> I even told my brother, I was like, because the judge was like, we're going to take a quick recess so I can go over the facts presented, and then we'll be right back. And you I was mean, like, I'm going to. And then do- I was like, it's so I can go back and figure out a way to make sure uh, I got to find a way. <laughs> I got to find a way to keep this black man in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to find a way to deny this. Give me a few minutes. Because right now, I can't think of it. Because you guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys made a good case, so I need to figure a way to call this bullshit. <laughs> It's it's so cartoonish, yeah. But then it's real. No, it's, 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 anyway, anyway, I mean, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, um, the way things roll. So then it's like a good movie in the way it's just there's nothing flashy about it no. and just well made. No. the The story is the story. Um, but I can also see why. So it came out around. I can see why it would get an Oscar release. Yeah, which is the this one got the in particular. Uh, Limited around Christmas and then uh, all slightly wider release beginning of January leading into the Oscar nominations like two weeks later, right? Uh, but it got zero traction. No mm. no one really bothered seeing it. Can you look up actually on like the numbers or whatever mm. how much it ended up making? I don't, I'd be surprised if it made more than $30 million at the box office. 50.4. Made 50? That's not bad. It, it probably didn't have much of a budget. The biggest budget was like uh, Brie Larson's wig, wig budget. Yeah, probably. They had to give him a crazy haircut to match a real life guy. I was about to say, I don't, I don't know if they actually shaved that dude's head and eyebrows, but if not, that prosthetic maybe was like a couple hundred bucks they could have used somewhere else. That's true. That's true. They shaved that dude's eyebrows. Um, I can see why I would get that release, but then also really didn't get too much traction and that it, it is a good movie. But it's not like stylistically or anything. It does anything new, no. or it, it's not really trying to wow you or bull you. Or and as it is, it's like it, it, it's good. It's good, but it, it's not like oh my god, you guys. Like it's not like you have to see this movie because this no. movie's so good. No, it's all. It's more like an educational. Well, maybe you should yeah, see this movie I mean, to it all, it get an interesting all, story of racism. It almost just feels like a dramatic reinterpretation of a documentary, right? Like. Like maybe a documentary could have been more compelling, uh, in a in a storytelling way. Perhaps you know, like when I saw Short Term Twelve, I was pretty knocked over by like, man, this is like really great, a really great telling of this little human story. I'm really getting these emotions, and, I, and it's uh, you know a story of people who feel like they don't belong and and, uh, and just seeking solace and all that. And then um, this one, Traffic's all the same themes. But I didn't feel like I had the same emotional oomph outside of the basics of the the, the true story itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like I like I wanted to I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I did. As is, I just like it. Hmm. You know, you know it's what a, I mean. It's a fine movie, Chris. 
fine. Now I, I ain't put on the fine scale. It's above the fine scale. I think it's a good movie because it, it's it is like a well directed. Technically, it looks great. Good music. Again, the acting. The acting is all like, uh, it's all great. I mean, Grace Vaughn's got a pretty good uh, Alabama to, racist I, accent. I mean, of everybody, surpri- surprisingly enough, I thought Michael B. Jordan did the least amount of acting. He didn't have to do much. It's not about him. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe that. Maybe his character needed more fleshing out. Like he had one scene where he's with mama. Mm-hmm. Mama's like, you be careful down there, you naive idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, okay, you know what? This, this did annoy me about the first, like, 30, 40 minutes of the movie. His character is the Harvard guy going down there. I'm going to help my southern brothers on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, and also this one white guy who we see a little bit for, like, one second. Like, oh, yeah, there's also white people on death row, too. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, for like the first forty minutes of the movie, he is shocked, turned away about the racism he encounters. Like the the cop makes him strip when he wants to see his. He doesn't stand up for himself. He just does it. No, uh, he's like he shouldn't have had to have done yeah, that. Like yeah, like afterwards. Yeah, and then like when he gets pulled over by the police and they put a gun on him, he's like, "Oh, you're so like like duh." Like of course all he's this like, shit's happening. I was about to say, I'm like, dude, you're a black lawyer. Like these white people are freaking the. F- Fuck out. They don't like you because you're an intellectual. They don't like you because you're an East Coaster. You're an Ivy Leaguer. You're already a bunch of things. Yeah. That they don't like. About mm-hmm. you. And, and on th- top of it, you're black. And on top of that, you're black. So. <laughs> on top and of then, all the other things. And then there's a couple of scenes of him like jogging. He's he's in this Alabama town. Yeah. And he's running around jogging in, in like uh, twilight hours, mm-hmm. the morning and night. Yeah. I'm like, dude, man, you just got shot in Georgia for this. He shouldn't be. You should not be running Dude, around. Dude, like, ha- ha- in half of the scenes of this movie, when Michael B. Jordan's alone, in my head, I'm like, you totally should have, like, found the the whitest, most cared-for fucking security firm in there, paid them all the money just to be, like, next to you. So, yeah. like, when you do get pulled over by the cops and shit gets pulled on you, like, you have someone to be like... No, this is what happened. Yeah, to, wit- <laughs> to, to witness it and keep yeah. an eye on them, and then yeah. to like report to the FBI or when, anybody when they show up to investigate your murder. <laughs> exactly, your disappearance and eventual yeah. murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm sure that happened a couple times in real life. Uh, they probably could have maybe maybe because it's a true life thing. They could have dramatized it more and have have his character experience more danger. You know, more than just getting one uh, like bomb threat. No, got one bomb threat. Now is it? Right, yeah. I'm not saying the, the violence against these people is a good thing, but um, maybe I am saying we could we could have it would have made for a better story. Is what you're oh, saying? We could, oof, <laughs> we could add it to the legend. It's the legend. Let's add it to the legend. It's a good movie. Definitely worth the zero dollars and zero cents in, mm. the, in the two plus hours of I mean, my life. Yeah. yeah, totally worth the two plus hours. So uh, it's out there. It's worth it. It's watch it. Just mercy. Check it out, people. Uh, let's get into our media diets. We speaking of just mercy, RTJ four has a song there called Just. Yes. That's the Look at uh, all these slave masters, Chris, they're posing on your dollar. Yeah, man. It's uh I'm except it's a, Lincoln. It's a good thought. Yeah, because he was a lawyer. Yeah. Where'd the rest of them go? Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton, I mean, only because of the time and his race and where he was, like, in society. Yeah. Like uh, it, Sure. It was just the way it was. Yeah, sure, sure. Was Lincoln too poor to have slaves? I, I'm pretty sure Lincoln was too poor to have slaves, All yes, because right. he grew up, you know, log cabin, yeah. super poor shit. Log, log so, oh, oh. oh, sorry. 
that's illegal, Drew. <laughs> Highly illegal to rip that off the chair. By law, that has to stay on the chair so people know there's no asbestos in there. Oh, fuck. Only in California. Only in California? Mm. Okay, thank God. So we're going to have the California ATF on our ass as yes. well as the uh, Secret Service. Or what did you say we were going to cite violence on? I forgot. You said something. <laughs> That's problematic. Um, RTJ4 came out a week early. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was coming out, but I didn't expect it so soon. Well, no, and, I, and then they did it all week early. I was like, fuck Well, it. no, exactly. Like, I knew it was coming out on the 11th. Uh, and then their social media post said it was coming out for free. So like, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. So at least everybody will have access to it. And then it came out a week early. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I went to their website and, and got it for free, but then also it was on Spotify. So I just yeah. I did that as well. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's a solid album. It's short. It's only 33 minutes. Yep. It's mostly bangers. It's got the, the, the Yankee and the Brave theme running through it, no. where it's it's like Thumb on Louise meets a pinky, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, but they're brothers. Mm-hmm. They're brothers. Uh, man, I I'm I listened to it a lot. When it first came out, I just listened to it like four or five times in a row, again, because it's so short. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. put it on loop. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, man, I can't just keep listening to the same album over and over. So listen to more on the jewels. I went. I went back and I listened, <laughs> I listened to their albums like in a row. Because again, the their other ones they go between like thirty five minutes and like their longest is about fifty fifty one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can listen to their whole filmography pretty quickly at this point still. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to everything again, leading up against a four, and then uh, that, then like twice I listened to everything, and uh, I think four is their best album. Um, I think it is, man. Listen, like from like front, front to back, all killer, no filler. I think it's their best album. I don't know because because other the other albums have songs that I can three skip. was really good. Three is, three is very good. But that's also the longest. I know. That's, so, and so is one. One is three. Is, it's the longest, and he could definitely cut a few songs from it. One was. I mean, for me personally, two is their weakest point sure. in, in, in the. Discography. Yeah, sure. Two is this. So, but it's still a good album. Though. No, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is it their best? I, I, I might have to listen to it some more yeah, before. Yeah, it definitely needs more time to marinate. Come back to it in a year, mm-hmm. you know, for absolutely, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man. Oh, but it's good stuff. It's great. I'm really enjoying it. They're fantastic. Um, I watched the newest... I'm still behind on what we do in the shadows, but I did watch the newest episode of Star Wars Gallery, Making a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You see that one? Which one was that? Process. No, I missed that. It's only 18 minutes long. Okay. So it's their shortest one. Part of the reason why I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll no. watch this, even though it was pretty late, a little short. It's like the same length as those uh, Corridor Crew videos that I watch. The um, process, about the, about the process of making, the uh, being on set and filming things, pre-visualization yeah. was a big theme of it, and, mm-hmm. and how they stole things from the animation world to use it in the live-action world and yeah. things. That was fascinating. Um, talking about reshoots and stuff. Taika Waititi had a, has a funny description of doing reshoots for Marvel movies. And he said for Thor, they had like 360 reshoots over like five days. 360 setups over five days, which is insane. And uh, But he described it as, well, when you're doing the normal shoot, uh, it's like, we need to shut up this coffee cup. Great, but what else can we do? How can we angle it? Can we do this? Can we do that? What? We're exploring on that day with the coffee cup shot. When it comes to a reshoot, we need the shot of the coffee cup. You got it? Got the shot? Good. Moving on. That's all <laughs> we need. There's no no fucking around. We're we're getting the things we need to make this movie work. Uh, it was interesting to hear them talk about just the actual... And then also, what's his name? Rick Fuma, Fumiyawa? Fumiyawa? Mm-hmm. The guy who did Dope. And um, what was the other movie? He does like low-budget indie stuff. Yeah. So for him to talk about 
having the money and the resources of a Star Wars, even the TV show, it's so a step up for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparing that to the indie world, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff there. It's really interesting. Sorry, Jordan, that was good. Uh, I'm buying. Yeah, but I mean, you're de- in all reality, you're dealing with like the king of indie film in John Favreau. He started an indie film and then somehow became Start whatever the, the fuck he is now. Sorry, within these transitioned over with, um, I think Zathura was the stepping stone. Yeah. We'll say it went from me to Zathura to Iron Man, essentially. Uh, we have, um, I did not see what we do in Shadows. Of the, have you seen this week's? Yes. So I, I, Which is, so I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, witches. Oh, so I'm gonna say witches. It's witches this week. Witches. God, okay, now I have two episodes to watch. Black Peter, Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> Black Peter. Great. So thumbs up, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Great. Black Peter, <laughs> man. All right. I'm, in. I'm in. All right, Black Peter. I mean, they're going to come up with these, like, Black Peter, Jackie, De- Jackie Daytona, all these little, all the little characters. The Devious. Who was it? Sid Devious? What was his name? The Kroll's, the Kroll's character. It's also fantastic. Cyrus the Devious. Um... I watched a Charlie Bronson movie that I hadn't seen before from 1974 called Mr. Majestic. Okay. This is an interesting movie in that. It is written by Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard, uh, like, you know, he writes hard-boiled fiction and stuff like that. His mm-hmm. Like, two of his books get combined into Jackie Brown. He wrote Out of Sight, which is why Michael Keaton is in both of those movies playing mm-hmm. the same character. Mm-hmm. It's an Elmore Leonard character. Um, he wrote, I think, in The Big Bounce, which itself got made into, like, an Owen Wilson movie. And the thing in the Big Bounce book that came out in the 60s, there's a character in that called Mr. Majestic. Elmore Leonard took that character and wrote a screenplay for the character and then eventually started writing books featuring this character. Mr. Majestic, played by Charles Bronson, is a Vietnam vet, ex-con, melon farmer. Or so he went to Vietnam. I came back from Vietnam. And went to jail? And went to jail for a bar fight that he didn't start, but he finished it. Mm, so, like, Con Air type shit. Con Air type shit. And then he got out of Con Air. Got out. And then started farming melons. I'm a, I'm a melon farmer in uh, Colorado. So can, so can we get Con Air 2 colon Mr. Majestic <laughs> yeah, starring sure? Nick Cage? I don't understand why we don't have that. <laughs> I don't understand why it's on the thing already. Um, and in this movie, he... he he has his uh, his crop, and he has the, it's time to get the crop in. It's harvest time. I gotta get the crop in, and um, it's uh, some like hillbilly, uh, uh, like ma- not mafia, but organized crime hillbilly dude shows up, and like he got the he got rid of Majestic's crew, and he gave him a whole bunch of like untrained winos, and he's like, "You're gonna use my crew, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna get the yeah. money, whatever." Yep, yep. And and of course, Mister Majestic ain't having that, so he has to do battle with this guy. Who's trying to muscle in on his territory, mm-hmm. and then while he like is fucking dealing with him, he also cross paths, almost unrelated, ends up having to cross paths with uh, a mafia hitman. This what? This big dude, and he and he ends up like tangling with him, and then for most of the movie, it's he has to deal with the the, the hillbilly uh uh idiot. Mm-hmm. Who's really in effect? He's a really ineffectual thug. It's really funny watching Bronson push him around and beat him with his own shotgun and stuff like that. And um, and then a poster. It's like a one of these posters where it's like a drawing or whatever of yeah. the action in the movie, and uh, it's like a collage type of thing. And in the foreground is a picture of Bronson like whoosh, just face kicking this uh, this cowboy right in the face, and he's like stumbling backwards. It's awesome. Nice. He uh, the whole movie. It's in between him 
dealing with him, dealing with this hitman who wants to kill him, and uh, and trying to trying to bring in my melons. I gotta get into my harvest. Yeah, I gotta pay my gotta workers. get the melons. I gotta get my melons, Nancy. Uh, it's a really good movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. What did I watch it on? Uh, Amazon maybe or or Hulu or. I mean, Amazon it's, does have a really deep library of movies that it's like yeah wait a minute what yeah and it's, amazing, <laughs> it's amazing how many charles bronson movies there are out there yeah. and like man we got them all so it, that one's really worth it majestic and they spell majestic s-t-y-k they throw a y in there mm, it's the fun because they're spelling. cool because they're cool and he's a guy i'm a guy i'm just here to, to, to harvest my melons but i also punch you in the face and shoot you in the face with and, the then shotgun. I, and then i shoot you in the face with your own shotgun you got a death wish buddy oh wait wrong movie wait wrong movie uh, so I really enjoyed the hell out of that, Mr. Majestic. All right, what do you got for uh, Media Diet this week? Here? Uh, watch some awful stuff and some good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's do awful first. Okay, we'll start with the most awful. Okay. Uh, a 2011 sci-fi movie called Pandorum, starring Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid and a little bit of Norman Reedus. A tiny bit of Reedus. A little bit of, a little bit of Norman Reedus. <laughs> All right. He just shows up for a second. A little a little boondock saints for you yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's this one about? Saw on Hulu. Uh... A crew of a spaceship uh, okay. are, are like uh, sent out to uh, explore. While okay. they're while they're out there, uh, Earth destroys itself, so Oop. they are the last people. Oops! And uh, the uh, the captain goes crazy, and dumb shit ensues. Also, just space madness movie. Space madness mixed with mutants in an alien planet. The alien planet part you don't learn until like it's one of the twists at the end. It's oh. fucking so stupid. Oh, okay. It is really not a good movie. All right, so that sounds like a thumbs down if yes. I'm not mistaken. Oh yes. All right, thumbs down. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Uh, I watched for the the majority of Equilibrium on Netflix. Oh, the um, 2002 Christian Bale, Tay Diggs. Yeah. Gun Gun Fu and heavily influenced by Matrix. Yes, and uh, depressed emotions. Yeah, that whole like makes no sense. Uh, so like they're repressing their emotions, but they're so still emotional. It's so stupid. It's a yeah. It's not a good movie. It's not good. It's Kurt Wimmer. Kurt Wim- Wimmer. Wimmer's his last name. Mm-hmm. Wrote and directed. Claims he invented gung fu, gun fu for this. Uh, he went on to do what's that movie? Ultraviolet. Mm. You ever see that one with um, yeah. Yeah. Mia Jovovich? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that I, makes Equilibrium look like uh, Citizen King. There, I, there I said it. Still a piece of shit movie. There I said it. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's not good. And then also on Netflix, I watched. It's so funny you watch it. I watched Priest. With um, Paul Bettany? Yes. Paul, Paul Bettany fighting uh, fucking Judge Dredd as a vampire. Yeah, right? So it's like it, there's, it's a wall, there's a walled off city. So it, it, it's, it's like part... I think I may have even seen this It's movie. part dystopian future, yes. There's, yeah. a, there's a walled off city, but yeah. because it's the city, you know, there's like it's like eternally gray. Yes. Yeah. And then there are like vampires out in the desert. Uh, Paul Bettany plays uh, a priest mm-hmm. who is basically like a vampire killer. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they... Like, uh, apparently, like, even though the vampires are mindless, murderous savages, they gave them, the uh, humanity gave them reservations to live on. Yeah. And, like, rights and shit. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, they fucking come out and murder the fuck out of a bunch of people. Uh, Judge Dredd is, like, the uh, the first human vampire. <laughs> so, of course, he has to be killed. Yeah. <laughs> It's the first day walker. There, there, there's a weird train scene at the end. It's strange. 
think I've seen this. I don't know. Maybe I just saw the trailer a bunch of times. When it, when Lily Collins plays Paul Bettany's daughter. <laughs> Lily Collins. Do, 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 exactly. Do, do. Yeah. I can feel it. Um, so, okay. So, and then Priest, not good. Yes, all three of those movies were not good. How would you rank them from uh, bad to worst? Bad to worst, Priest, Equilibrium, Pandorum. Okay. All right, bad to worst. Yeah. I got it. Mm-hmm. Thumbs down, two thumbs down, four thumbs down. Yes. All right, excellent. Also on Netflix, I watched uh, a uh, stand-up special. Okay. Uh, Bumping Mics with Dave Attell and Jeff Ross. Oh, okay. So it's basically Dave Attell and Jeff Ross just... Telling jokes. Telling jokes and making fun of each other. That's fun. For, 45 minutes a couple of old three, New York three times old New Yorkers old New York comics doing yep. their thing and because they're doing three shows they did like a weekend group worth of shows in New York City mm-hmm. of, and they've been in the game for so long people showed up so yeah, sure. Bruce Willis Paul Rudd Amy Schumer Bob Saget Gilbert Godfrey and Michael Che that's crazy. all show up that's wild yeah. uh, entertaining good stuff that's funny they, I mean it, if it, you like it's them it's Jeff Ross and David Tell making fun of each other so if you like them yes. you'll like this yes. that's how I would do yes. ain't gonna win out over any new converts? No, 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 no. If you don't like their styles, and you're not going to like this at all. But, uh, but for people who do enjoy it, it's there mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Bumping mics. Yes. Okay. Uh, also, I watched uh, a 2017 History Channel series called American Ripper. Okay. It was this uh, is an H.H. Holmes show. Yes, it was eight episodes of actually it was H.H. Holmes's great grandson has a theory that his grandfather was also Jack the Ripper. Yeah. So you get eight episodes of circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. with uh, zero conclusion. Yeah. And uh, then it's over. But did you enjoy it, though? It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, the English hate that theory that H.H. H. Holmes was like also Jack the Ripper. Yeah. He was like, fuck you. Jack the Ripper's our serial killer. Get your own damn serial I killer. I mean, there, there, <laughs> there, there's a surprising <laughs> amount of circumstantial evidence to the case, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, like way more than I ever thought there would have been. Sure, and it all ties into like the uh, Devil in the White City, Chicago World's Fair, yep, eighteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he, I mean he, he, he had the murder castle, like that. That's a thing. It happened. That's yeah. for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the secret walls and rooms and yeah, panels well, and, and stuff and like the, that. And the people thing, check in, never check out. Well, and the thing is too, uh, murder hotel. In, in the show, they should like the main like. Point of circumstantial evidence is H.H. H. Holmes was also a uh, he was a con man he was a grifter so he had you know he was buying and selling property and lawsuit fucking galore so mm-hmm. there's a fucking paper trail like a mile long mm-hmm. of him in Chicago doing these awful things mm-hmm. uh, th- there's a gap where all of a sudden he just drops out of the paperwork mm-hmm. for. The same time that the Ripper murders were going on mm-hmm. in England. And there is circumstantial evidence that either his or one of his aliases names. They, I mean, back in the day, there was no such thing as like government ID, you mm-hmm. know, and especially for like transit landings, like the captain asked your name. You gave them yeah. a name, any name you wanted, and then you got on the boat. You say Han and he goes, what family are you from? I have no family. Oh, okay. Solo. Han, <laughs> Han, Han alone too. Lost in New York. That, that's your name. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but there is circumstantial evidence that a H. Holmes did travel mm-hmm. over to England at the time. So, okay. like I said, it's circumstantial evidence store. No, no hard, hard evidence no, whatsoever. No, I, yeah, sure. But it is a, but eight episodes. Yeah. And, and that was all right. It was fine. It was fine. How many eyes on the final Like scale? two. Two eyes. I'll give you two eyes. It's fine. It's fine. That's a quick five. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I also started watching Holy Moly. 
Uh, is on that, Hulu. Is that the um, mini golf? Meets Wipeout. Yeah. Yes. That, that, that's exactly what it is. That's what it is. It yeah. is, it is mini com- golf. I've seen commercials for it. Meets Wipeout. Um, if you're a fan of Rob Riggle. I like Rob Riggle. Then watch it. Yeah. Because he's he, he's the colorful commentator. Uh, next to him is uh, Joe Tessitore. From ABC and ESPN, he yeah. does a lot of the uh, the boxing announcements. So he's, uh, he's got okay. one of those voices. That's why the name's so familiar. the voice the, the the voice works great. Joe Tessitore. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's Wipeout Mini Golf. Uh, so and, are there episodes of it? Or uh, I've there are three episodes for season two now. I didn't watch season one. Apparently that was a thing. Uh, season two, there are three episodes on Hulu. Apparently it's going it's, it's quote unquote it's live TV right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I also started watching season one on YouTube because it's available there. Ah, okay. So yeah, I mean it's just a golfing show. It's not like you got to follow the story. Yeah, what, what story? Exactly. I'm just looking for Rob Riggle jokes. Yeah, it's, a, it's about, a, about golf. It's a mini golf show. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, fine enough. You'll enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're enough, if, if you like the wipeout, you'll. I do you, like wipeout. Then you'll. Do you like? Do you like golf? Uh, sort of. Well, then, yeah, I golf mean, is fine. You put those two together. No, it's a. And uh, it's Arnold Palmer Invitational, and, and you get uh, Holy Moly, John Lovitz in a pirate outfit golfing. I'm fine with that. Is that Black Pete? No, he he's Long John Lovitz. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, at one point in time, there's a weird diving thing, and uh, both Greg Luganis and Steve Gutenberg are the judges. So Steve Gutenberg, I don't. Do, I'm just telling you the things that I'm seeing with my eyes. So there's like an actual goot sighting? Every episode in season two. Wow. That's wild. That's wild. The goot's back. The goot. The goot is loose, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we got a, we got a glut of goot. I was really surprised. Yeah, like, I don't know where it's like Greg Lugan. It's okay. No, that I understand. I understand. Sure. There, that makes you know, sense. silly diving. He's a diver. I get it. And Steve Gutenberg. It's like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> I mean, did he bring his Bible with him? No, he didn't. No. John Lovitz uh, did do his own cut. Co- like they introduced him, Long John Lovitz. He's like, "Hey!" Then he walks out, kind of under his breath, but still definitely on mic. Yeah. What has happened to my career? Ah, oh, poor, <laughs> poor John. Um, all right, you were, well, you were great in the critic. Holy moly on Hulu is what you're watching yep. that on. Okay, excellent. And that was everything. That's all your stuff. That was all my stuff this week. A little bit of good, a little bit of bad, some of it in the middle. Of all mm-hmm. sorts of styles and genres, mm-hmm. that is the essence mm-hmm. of your Chicago. Um, okay, well, there we go. That is the first half of the show. We're going to take a break here. We're going to play a song. I got a little ditty for you guys. Uh, this song is called Rub a Dub Dub. Thanks for the grub. Parentheses, the WWWB remix, close parentheses. And uh, we hope you enjoy this for a couple minutes. And we'll be back with the second half of the show. Got all sorts of movie news stories to go over. And that's it.
And we're back. How's it going? How you doing? Hope you enjoyed that little ditty. We're doing the thing where it's the second half of the show. Plugs are things that people do right around this time, such as cinema so at gmail.com, cinema so on Instagram, so on Twitter, etc. etc. You know, if you just Google cinema so it shouldn't be. I mean, there's no other. It all comes up. It's gotta it's all gotta be there. Are you sure about that? It's gotta be a mess of Crespediso. Uh, I mean, you sure about that? Yeah, it should be, right? What else could there be? Uh, you can also just go to chriscrespa.com for direct links to things. We even use that. Do we even use websites anymore? I don't know. They're websites. Right? Yeah. Do you use a website? Cinema Crespity, Cinema Crespity, Cinema Crespity, Cinema Crespity, Cinema Crespity. Yeah, 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 it's all Cinema Crespity. We're the only ones. We're the only ones. That's it. Click on something random. Although you do have to get to Cinema Cresp before it pops up. Interesting. What else does it want to do? Uh, well, once you get to the CRS, then it, then it goes to Cinema Crest View. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Cinema Crest View. You got to get to the the P first before we pop up. That's very funny. Um, Patreon.com slash Crespity. So sign up for our Patreon anywhere from $1 to $5 a month. Gets you access to a whole bunch of episodes. I think we have like 100 episodes there already. Wow. Uh, and we're doing a whole lot of movie recaps. And um, this week on Friday, our episode will be our top five Bill Murray movies and Bill Murray performances within movies. So that comes out this Friday. We just put out last Friday, um, Double Impact. Two of them. Yeah. No. There were two. There were two Van Dams. No. Well, only one episode. No. Double Impact. And some kind of shoddy workmanship. (laughs) Hey, a little bit. Just a little bit. But I learned a lot about double acting. I'm sure you and did. And it, it comes in handy with Time Cop, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we also did previously. Yes, we did. So we've done two double Van Damme movies. Yeah. Wow. That's four times Van Damme. Yeah. And you can get access to that for as little as a dollar. <laughs> or you can be cool and pay more. If you pay $5, you get executive producer status, which means you get to pick what episodes we do. People really don't take us up on that that often, I, no? I mean, That's fine. It's on them. That's on them. If you want to just keep listening and supporting, that's cool. We appreciate it. It's it's up to... It's their responsibility to <laughs> use the power that they have, Chris. All right. And if you just want us to keep rolling the way we're going, then that means... We're assuming that means you like what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you're just supporting. You're not even listening, which I guess that's fine, too. And I'll take that. Mm-hmm. We will take that. Totally okay with that. Um, all right. So let me see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got no emails. Take us off a sip, sip. Mm. We got no emails, and no one used our Facebook thread this week. Well, hopefully, everyone's out there fighting the power. They're fighting, fight the power. We got fight the power. They're uh, they're doing the more important things, and that's fine. Um, I have, of course, movie news, streaming news, story news, all things that we can uh, talk about to to round out this episode. I already burned a little bit of it with the. Um, NATO saying 90% of theaters are gonna open. Cinemark being like, yeah. AMC being like, we don't know if we're gonna still gonna be around. You know, they're still mm-hmm. up in the air about it. Um, where would the nearest Cinemark be? I don't know. I'm not even sure. So let's see. I'll find out. Uh, as Drew looks it up, I'm gonna go up and put my uh, episode 387 news uh, uh, chart here that I have with all my stories and. Sure. Cinemark Orlando and XD fifty one fifty International Drive. I drive. Okay. Sure, I drive. Mm-hmm. Um. And then is it Cinemark? Let me see. 
Yeah, according to the rap, Cinemark will only require employees to wear face masks and not the guests. I mean, I'm still probably going to wear a face mask. They'll encourage patrons to do so, but won't make it a requirement. Uh, They're increasing cleaning and sanitation, installing plexiglass screens, and including seat buffering technology to ensure their guests are socially distant. Maybe they're going to like little moats in between the seats. (laughs) All right. Drawbridges we can get over. (laughs) Like, you got to go across this moat. You got to pay the toll. Like, I'm stuck in this theater. AMC reportedly lost uh, $2.4 billion during the shutdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, speaking of the theaters, all trying to reopen in time for Tenant. Christopher Nolan has an interesting tie to MacGruber. Okay. Yeah. Um, according to Vanity Fair, Christopher Nolan used to recite MacGruber SNL sketch lines to Anne Hathaway on the set of The Dark Knight Rises. That's hilarious. Um, this is according to Joan Matacone. I don't know how to say this person's name, but this is a person who is, uh, I guess, working. Oh, it's a director, the director of MacGruber. Um, he invited Christopher Nolan to the MacGruber TV series Table Read, and uh, Nolan declined. He's like, mm, I'm good. But he did send a message. Christopher Nolan sent a message to the MacGruber team and said, though I can't be there in person to watch you take your first step of your odyssey, know that my spirit soars with you. And whilst it's perhaps unfair to add to the great sense of responsibility you must already feel, I am duty-bound to tell you the world is waiting, the world is watching. So Christopher Nolan hitting them with the... with the... Uh, expectation card. Mm-hmm. I got expectations. Oh, this is kind of interesting. Um, the closer... To that story is that my wife, director Mario Heller, and I were at our first DGA dinner. That's the um, director's guild. guild of America. And she's like, Christopher Nolan is there. You've got to go say hi to him. So I went up to him and said, my name is Jorma. I directed this movie called McGruber. I said, we're going to do a sequel eventually. What do you think of this? When a director card comes up, it just says directed by Christopher Nolan with an asterisk. Then at the end of the movie, there's another asterisk that says who actually directed it. And he said, let me talk to my wife about it. So, non-committal, mm-hmm. to say the least about that wacky idea for the MacGruber uh, movie. Um, you like MacGruber? Not really. All right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I mean, they, they, they want this to happen. Indiana Jones 5. Indiana Jones and the search for more money. That's a Spaceballs joke. Indiana Jones and the and the search for my Ben Gay. Unless, uh, uh, unless it's starring Chris Pratt, I am not interested. No, we're talking about Harrison Ford starring in Indiana Jones and the search for the Golden Walker of Antioch. I was about to say. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Fountain of Youth? <laughs> it belongs in a museum. Yeah, the Fountain of Youth. Um, Steven Spielberg won't direct it. He's producing it, not directing it. It's already announced that. It'll be the first one that he won't do as a director. They found a director. It's an interesting choice. The person who did... Uh, he has a wide range of films that include Copland, uh, 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 Ford v. Ferrari, Logan, 
310 to Yuma. The director, James Mangold, will be making the new... What? Yes. Isn't that a strange choice? <laughs> James Mangold is doing a new Indiana Jones film, if it ever gets made. And this thing's gonna be PG? PG. They're all PG-13. Temple of Doom was one of the first. No, I, Temple of Doom was one of the ones where they were like, we need a... PG is not sufficient. Anymore. Well, you're right. Well, I'm with the Cali. Um, Frank Marshall, one of the producers, a uh, long-time producer, says this of James Mangold, his love of the franchise. He's a wonderful filmmaker. I think he also has a relationship with Harrison. It was all of the right pieces coming together at the right time. I don't think they're going to get the movie they think they're going to get. Probably not. Especially, <laughs> I mean, talking about the guy who made Walk the Line. <laughs> They don't. I don't think they're gonna get the movie they think they're gonna get, Chris. Like, what, this is supposed to be a fun adventure. He's like, no, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm serious. Dark. He's gonna die. Serious. He has to die. <laughs> he died. <laughs> I mean, people say he died at the end of the last one when he got married. Mm, no, no, exactly. Um. So James Mangold, James Mangold's Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, and the Search for Adamantium. No, thank you. <laughs> Man, what if he gets uh what if he does a crossover movie? We have the James Mangold universe. Uh X twenty three shows up with um Special Stone's character from Copland. I mean like, if it, seriously, I mean hey, if, if, if they tell me this is the last Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford and Harrison dies at the end, yeah. then I'm in. And Sylvester Stallone's in. He's like, Are you looking I'm for, totally okay with that too. So we're looking for the Golden Walker? How about how about Sylvester Stallone? How about Sylvester Stallone's the bad guy and he kills Harrison Ford. You find out at the end and say, like, oh, I've had to walk it the whole time, Indy. How do you think I've been walking? How do you think I've been walking? I'm old man, too. Just give me back that walker. It belongs in the museum of old people stuff. And while you're at it, get off my plane. And while you're at it, get off my plane and give me back my family. <laughs> man, this guy. He's so angry all the time. Um, Kevin James did an R-rated horror film that's out on VOD now called Becky. What? And uh, it's not even like a comedy. It's a straightforward home invasion film where he plays like some sort of a white supremacist dude. Oh, so it's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Okay. He, he needs to break into the house to get something that's in the house. Interesting. Uh, and there's like a dad and a 13-year-old living in the house. And she does Home Alone style, but R-rated Home Alone style protects the home. I, was about to say, I mean, he's a pretty big dude. He's a big guy. Here's a picture of him, bald with the beard, looking you know, menacing. Looks menacing. If I didn't know Kevin James, you know, like his uh, comedy stuff, and I saw him like that, but yeah, I nah, yeah with the, especially with that tattoo on it. You know he, what, he's man? A he's a tough looking guy. That makes me now. I want to see. Can we just throw Kevin James? Some, somebody edit bald Kevin James in the green room, please. Oh, I just, <laughs> it's so interesting you say that, Drew. On our Facebook group, um, Cromella actually watched this movie. And put a post of it where he said, it's like, this movie wants to be a Jeremy Saulnier film. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Because his description of it was funny. Uh, I'm in the Facebook group again. Cinema Crestwood. So Facebook group, join us if you're on Facebook. It is a, a chill place. No one, no one gets mad at each other. We're all just having a good time. It's one of the few spots on the internet where no one's a douche. For the most part. I mean, it's the internet. What are you going to do? It's not a... Oh, I'm sorry. Now I'm, now I'm liking things that I missed the first time around. Sorry, Chris, guys. That Chris. I didn't. No, this is important. Because here we go. Becky. Kevin James has a bearded sadistic neo-Nazi? Sure, why not? Becky really wants to be a Jeremy Saulnier movie. And the movie looks like, sounds like, and feels like the person who made this movie watched Blue Ruin and Green Room a bunch of times. <laughs> Except it wasn't a Saulnier movie. And it's missing whatever made Blue Ruin and Green Room great. 
What you get is an ultra-violent mashup of Green Room, Last House on the Left, Rambo, Last Blood, and Home Alone. This one would be the worst thing to stumble on at Cinemax at 2 a.m., but paying for it, not so much. Mm. Dream it on, VOD. You know, I'm, and then here's the poster again. It's looking, you know, I'm looking pretty, crazy I'm, on that poster. I'm pretty sure I know what Becky's missing. What? Mick and Blair. <laughs> There's your missing ingredient. <laughs> Use a little bit of Mick and Blair to make the thing sizzle and have some heart. Have some oddly placed heart. <laughs> this is a shock. I care for this weirdo. This wide-eyed weirdo. Who he popped up in the hunt. Yeah. Every day that passes, more and more of that movie leaves my mind. Like, he, he was in it. He, 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 popped in up in, he popped up in Swamp Thing as the devil. That, is awesome. <laughs> that was cool. But was it only in the beginning? I mean, how much of it was he actually in that show? He was, I, he I was only he, he, season. He only kind of fizzled it. Like, he was, he fizzled in and Because he was part of the Ian Ziering storyline. Yeah. So. And that's like a bigger thing that was going to take a longer exactly. time. Exactly. So, like, he was it. probably going to fizzle in and out as the series progressed, like, every so often. But I think he was only in, like, two episodes. But, yeah, he was totally the devil. <laughs> so, so weird how some, some people get careers like this where he always intended to be a... Writer director, I believe, yeah. but his buddy Jeremy was like, "I need be in my movie. All right, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll do your movie. I'll do Blue Ruin." And then Jeremy was like, "If this movie doesn't hit, then I'm out of here. I ain't making <clears> movies <throat> no more." And that ends up being a hit. <laughs> so he was like, "Hey, so uh, I I got Patrick Stewart and some other people. You, you want to make another b- movie? But Actually, still want to no, be in this movie? No, no, no. <laughs> it was the other way. Macon had to audition. Oh, really? He made him audition. <laughs> He's like, I don't shoot my movie. <laughs> Come on, I want to do it." <laughs> You, you, you begged me last time. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, This is funny. This is an example of the liberal censorship left PC police. See, man, we're all about the uh, social justice tracker here. We, mm-hmm. know, we know what's going on. This is a funny story, though. Uh, and it relates to your boy, Chris Maloney. Okay. All right? Okay. See, I know what Peak Street is interesting. Yeah, I like Chris Maloney. Law ampersand order colon, uh, what's it called? Organized crime? What? Yes. So this is a new one? This is the new one. This is the, That's the name of the Chris Maloney spinoff. Does Wolf Dick have anything to do with it? Yeah, of course. It's all it's all Dick Wolf. Yeah, Fucking better be. It's a, an official Law & Order spinoff. It's featuring his character. Um, what's his name on that show? Sp- no, the, I... Doug, Doug Spearman. Don't know. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy Nachos. I didn't watch so much of the sex crimes. Uh, yeah, but you watched it, though. Um, so... Craig Gore is a writer, works in Hollywood, works on okay. TV, mm-hmm. uh, worked on SWAT, Chicago PD, those types of shows. Okay. Like, he makes a career yeah. working on this stuff. Um, and on his uh, Twitter profile, he he put on there that he was, like, writing or running um, Law & Order, the new Law & Order uh, show. And then he uh, put up a Facebook post uh, regarding looters in L.A., where he put a picture of him with a bandana and his gun, Standing in front of a doorway, and uh, it said something crazy like, uh, what was it? His post was like, Cur- oh, yeah, look at this guy, curfew, and then a picture of him being like playing commando, standing in front of his doorway, doorway right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's a TV show writer. He's like, no, I'm, I'm Blackwater Security from my and own he's house. he's in West Cal. Man, he is... Why is he so afraid in West Hollywood? In West Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the gays are going to come knocking down his door and really fucking... What a loser, right? Um, and then and then he also posted on May sixth, 
took another gig back in the Wolf Camp. Can't wait to get rolling with Maloney leading a badass organized crime team as they take down New York City's most notorious. So just putting the two and two together. Hey, Chris Maloney, your new showrunner is a proud boy. <laughs> I mean, he kind of looks like it. And then, sorry, co-executive producer, he writes on here. Um, Dick Wolf. Wolf Dick puts out a statement under Wolf Entertainment's official Twitter. I will not tolerate this conduct, especially during our hour of national grief. I am terminating Craig Gore immediately, end quote. And then someone responded to that. Uh, wait, where is it? <laughs> that, yeah. That was, that was a response to that. That, that, that is an appropriate response. You you just got Wolf Dicked. And then Maloney, uh, what did he say? He was like, I don't even know this dude. <laughs> Chris Maloney, uh, truth. Matt Olmstead is my showrunner. Uh, oh, shit. Fucking, I accidentally clicked on the tweet. Here we go. Matt Olmstead is my showrunner. I have gotten no word on any hirings. I have no idea who this person is or what they do. <laughs> so it's possible this person got hired, yeah. but that word hadn't gotten to Maloney yet. Because he's the writer. Chris Maloney does not care who his, who he, yeah, he, who's like, writing his, his he, lines. Yeah, he knows a showrunner, and then the showrunner is like, over there, that's the writer's room. Stay away from those animals. <laughs> we throw a box of donuts in there once every few hours, and they spit out scripts. Exactly. Um, he uh, also... Hollywood still is in a production lockdown. Yeah. It's being lifted now. Um, they've put out guidelines and everything, well, no, and, and things are going to start going it, back into production And I was about slowly. to say, with everybody sitting around, I'm sure like writers and producers and people, like writers can still work from home right now. They can. So I'm sure they're cranking out bullshit left and right. Yeah, they can, they can crack story and do things for sure. Uh, with some pre-production stuff. Yeah. And they've also figured out how to get a lot of post-production stuff going on, too. Um so some aspects of, of the of these things are happening. Anyway, so Meloni. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. Meloni almost got caught up in some proud boy shit. It was very funny. And he's like, I'm going to shoot these guys. I'm going to light them up. Oh, that's right. <sighs> yeah, looters, sure. In West Hollywood. That's what you wanted. In your neighborhood. That's what you're hoping to light up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not black people. This is an interesting story. It's been unfolding for a couple of weeks, and we haven't touched on it at all because we don't watch it. But in the CW Arrowverse, they had one season of Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. I heard. I heard she left. She did. She left. Ruby Rose for whatever. left uh, for whatever reason. She hasn't even said, but she left. Uh, the character she was playing, Cassandra Kane, I believe. Kate Kane. I'm sorry. Kate Kane is the name of the character, uh, which is a canonical DC character. I'm not. Invented for the TV show. Uh, it turns out they are not going to recast the character, mm-hmm. but said they're going to replace her with a whole new character that they're possibly either. Well, here's the thing. So they put out a casting call for someone called Ryan Wilder, who would be female, mid late twenties, any ethnicity. Uh, and they note that the character is nothing like Kate Kane. She is goofy, untamed, likable, and messy. Very funny that they mention, oh, our new character is going to be likable. Because <laughs> apparently this one wasn't. Because our previous one was not. We had a whole season on an unlikable character. Uh, but we're going to have a like a likable... Um, uh, so Batman light? Gregarious Batwoman. So, yeah. ba- so Batwoman light. Yeah, yeah. Bat- uh, we're going to have a Batwoman without psychological issues, I guess. Oh, that's not... That's not Batwoman. I know. Man. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Now, since uh, when they do casting calls, oftentimes they'll use a fake name. So we don't know if it's going to be a character inventing whole heart, uh, whole cloth or if they're finding some deep cut character because there's no other canonical Batwoman. There's mm-hmm. only one and this is Kane Lady. Uh, so we'll see. 
we'll see what they do. That's for that's for the Arrowverse people though to figure out. HBO Max. Uh, we are entering into oh breaking news. That's my breaking news music. The uh, HBO Max. Uh, uh, Chris's lack of access to continues into week two. Still no. have no direct access to HBO Max. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll see how long this is. Right. I this, mean, there's this, not much. This could go months. Not much. They have the Lone Wolf and Cub movies on there. Yes, no, you're right. They do. They do all of them. <laughs> yes, all of them. I've only seen the first two. I don't think I've seen... Maybe if I started watching a third one, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. But I've, I think I've only seen the first two of those. And I want to rewatch them. <laughs> when I saw those on the list, went over the list, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I am excited for that. Uh, I want to take a stab at, after only a week or so, what their most run, most streamed show is so far, most popular show. I mean, obviously you have all the, the HBO stuff, and then you got the new stuff. I mean, I'm going to go with probably the Harry Potters. Harry Potters is a is a great choice, but no, I'm thinking uh, they're they're giving us a list of shows. Okay. Right, you got like Game of Thrones, you mm-hmm. got Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Got friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, man, is Nineties Nostalgia still big? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, absolutely, still big. Um, maybe Nostalgia is feeling this a little bit. Uh, but the number one stream show right now on HBO Max is Looney Tunes. Huh? Yes. The new one or the old ones? The new one. Okay, the new one's good. It's updated. It's fine. Yep. The new one. People are enjoying it. Uh, second most popular show on HBO Max. The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. I watched the first episode. Yeah. And it's... So for what it is, it's better than it has any right to be. <laughs> but it is definitely like a late night show for five-year-old children. It's for kids. Yeah. It is for kids. They just said on CNN, um, Elmo has a Skype or a Zoom conversation with his, with his dad. Uh, about racism and said on the bottom is like four kids and it's like two minutes of Elmo and his dad explaining racism and the mm-hmm. protests and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but they should just replay it for adults because adults are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, HBO. HBO killing it with the families and the Looney Tunes and the Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, I mean, Looney Tunes for anybody. That's true. Looney Tunes, I am, I'm looking forward to finally, when I get my hands on I can finally watch that shit. Yeah. Looney Tunes is good. Um, but, but they also have old stuff on there too, all, right? All the old stuff. All of it. I want to. I just. I want to know. I don't. I haven't seen any of the uh, the World War Two era stuff. Yeah. See, I want to find like the well, problematic stuff. And, the old, and, and, and it's just because of the way they made the Japanese look. Yeah. Oh, but teeth and eyes. Well, I mean, uh, that's wild. I mean, they just. But they, they were also they, the enemy. They they just gave Bugs Bunny a hat, pretty much, and he was always the Japanese character. That's fine too. Um, so, so Martin Scorsese's Flowers of the Blood Moon what was it called remember we were talking mm-hmm. about that going yeah, yeah. to Apple because it got too expensive mm-hmm. um, it looks like uh, The Irishman had a reported budget of 175 million looks like that was a low number mm. the, the true number has come out for what The Irishman cost um, feel free to tack on an additional 50 million dollars of that mm. The Irishman was a 225 million dollar production <clears throat> which now th- at three and a half hours like damn straight <laughs> better be three and a half hours Jesus it's costing God. that much money I know a Marvel Avengers amount of money just to make old make peop- those guys old guys slightly, look slightly younger slightly, <laughs> slightly less older never younger just less old uh, still I love that movie and then when I read the article, I was like, man, I should rewatch this. 
the original budget was 125 million. <laughs> wow, we just doubled it. Talk about a no. talk about a balloon. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure at a certain point in time, Netflix was too deep in. Like they <laughs> they, they had to. The only answer was to throw more money at the problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they know how to do. Throw money at it. So we have the Joker standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Someone else, another Batman villain, almost got their own standalone film. And who was that? That would be Bane. Which makes mm-hmm. me think, mm-hmm. would I really want a Bane? An hour and a half, two <laughs> hours with just Bane? <laughs> it all, it all depends on how much of what part of the story we get here. I mean, he's a terrorist. Well, yeah. Right, South American terrorist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what's the story of a him whole outside of torturing Batman? I mean, the whole League of Shadows training could be fun. The League of Shadows. Uh, and the League of Shadows. Th- them pumping him full of all sorts of weird fun. His Venom. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that it's called Venom, but then Venom's a character in another yeah. completely different comic book mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what could we do? Because that was the fun part of Bane in the comic books. Like, he was always, like, four times the size of Batman. Yeah, he was a giant, and then he would, his juice thing, and then he would, like, grow like the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's fucking to, whack. To emphasize how big yeah. he is. Um, and this one, he had stuff, but I guess it was more like, I think it was pain medicine that he was pumping into him. I mean, they didn't really go into they it They did not much. go into it at all, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something no. that was jacking him up. No, it, it wasn't, yeah. I think it was just keeping him alive. It was almost more like a Darth Vader type yeah. thing. Interesting. I mean, it was more approach. of a. It, it was more of a, you know, a realistic approach, like as opposed to that picture. Exactly, ba- the Batman and Robin Bane. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Or the that? one from any comic book or any cartoon series? Like he, he looks straight up silly. A lot of the times, he's got those green glowing eyes, and it's just like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> yeah, that's an insane choice. I think the character, the actor who played Bane in the movie, the Joel Schumacher movie, I think that was the guy who was uh, uh, Latimer in the program, the big dude who's like all juiced mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Christopher Walken's son in uh, uh, Max Shrek's son in Batman Returns, and he's sort of doing like a Christopher Walken impression, which is really funny because he's a big, he's a big dude, but he's like dad <laughs> talking like no dad like this. Um, anyway, so. Uh, we got the Batman movie coming out as a reminder. Matt Reeves directing it. We got Catwoman as Zoe Kravitz. Paul Dano. Dano. Mm-hmm. Paul Dano as Riddler. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell as Penguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a wild cast. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne Batman. Andy Serkis as Alfred. Was that the whole? Who else we got in there? Oh, and John Turturro as uh, Falcone. So, what? Yeah. Really? Yes, yeah, so we also have Falcone in this in the story as well. Interesting. You know what, Chris? If they did a Bane standalone movie mm-hmm. and give it to Richard Stanley, I would watch it. <laughs> a psychedelic uh, Bane movie. Richard Stanley's Bane. That would be fun. We're going to we're going to spike the water supply with LSD. And yes, and then we will reprogram the people of Gotham. To live in the shadows. It'd be a lot of fun. That would be All I'm saying. I'll see it. And then it'll end up on like it'll end up on Shutter, a Shutter exclusive, and we'll never see it because we don't have Shutter. Um, Bill will like, rave uh, about it all Bill the time. Bill will rave about it. <laughs> Mandy is on Shutter only. Uh, uh, Color Out of Space is a Shutter exclusive mm-hmm. now. What a real bummer! All the money we're spending on services. Kind of the cable is supposed to be a good thing. Cats. Would never go away. <laughs> never. Ever, ever, ever. Why not? 
because it's too much of an abomination <laughs> okay. for us to forget to okay. just let it to just okay. let it die. Yeah, yeah. You know who is not a big fan of at least aspects of the movie Cats? I don't know who. Uh, Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber, the creator of Cats. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I love it when the creators of things are like, this version of it is dog shit. Like, y'all fucked up. Um, he is... So here we go. This is interesting. This is... Um, the composer had a live commentary for a filmed version of the Cats stage play. And this is from 1998. Um, and he did it in memory of his cat, Mika, who was run over by a car last month. Very sad. Aww. So in honor of that, he had a, a live commentary of, of actual cats. Um, at one point... The character Bustopher Jones it pops up on in the story, quote story in the play. Bustopher Jones is the cat that James Corden played. Okay, uh, I know you haven't seen the movie. I have so, no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Continue. Well, you you know that there was a movie called Cats. Mm-hmm. Okay, and apparently there's a character named whatever. I'm telling you now, this character named Bustopher Jones, and you knew that James Corden is in it. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like you have no idea what I'm talking about. You got a little bit of an idea. <laughs> Continue. Uh, he explains uh, the gist of it is that I'm gonna I'm gonna sum it up and then read this thing. The gist of it is that the Buster Jones does a song in the play that is just done without interruption. In the movie, the song takes breaks so that James Corden can make jokes about being a fat cat who eats and like this whole thing. And be James Corden. James Corden. There's a thing where he's on a seesaw and he's standing on the edge of it, and then like one cat jumps on it to make him fly up, but he can't because he's too fat. So it takes like two cats to make him fly into a trash can, or whatever. So here's Angel Lord Glover. He goes, Bustopher, without interruption, as I wrote it. Do not be beguiled by other versions. This is a direct quote. Mm-hmm. And it's not the... He just said beguiled, yeah. so... And this is not the Paul of Tompkins version of Angel Lord Webber. This is the real one. Other versions with unfunny interpolations, which I beg to be cut out. <laughs> I did manage to get the worst of them removed. I cannot tell you how absolutely un Elliot it was in this song. Speaking of T.S. Eliot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in his own way, he's shat all over. Oh, and he goes on. He certainly didn't hang around on a seesaw. Boots. Take that, James Corden. Seesaw is, uh, I guess, a... Uh... See, I mean, I saw the play, but I was a kid, so... Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what the exact differences were between the two. Uh, but man, Lloyd Webber, he could tell you the differences. Mm. And he did not like mm. interpolations. Not at all. Um, for him, he's looking for, uh, for, for justice for Bustopher Jones. Mm. That's where his head's at these days. There we go. One of your rich white Englishmen. That's, what, how, that's how it goes. What does he think about the bottle cut? You know what? No one asked him. I'm surprised. I prefer. <laughs> Maybe he wants it. Um, Adam Wingard. 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 However you pronounce that shit. He uh, has a spotty track record of movies. Your Next is an okay uh, house invasion horror film. Uh, Blair Witch has its moments. Uh, I did not like the Death Note movie that was on Netflix. You ever see that one? Oh, who was in the lead role? Oh, some kid. I don't know. No uh, one. It's Death Note. Uh, As you know, the big demon guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Names in a book and they die. Yeah, yeah. Anime. Cartoon. Yeah, correct. Cor- correct. And he did. They the, turned into live action. And he did the live action. Oh version. yeah, I heard that was dog shit. No, it wasn't everybody very, who watched it didn't, it wasn't very didn't like it. Uh, so all his movies are really, you know, for the most part they're okay. It's not that good. But he also wrote and directed The Guest, 
So God damn it. So it's like, all right, I'll forever have to check tune in on this guy. Just in case. Because of the fucking the guest. No. Right. So good. Um, well, his next movie is he's just like all these other mediocre white filmmakers in Hollywood where he makes stuff. They don't necessarily make that much money. It's whatever. It's whatever. And then he gets a giant gig. So he's in post-production now on Godzilla vs. King Kong. Oh, man. Right. Isn't okay. that ridiculous? Yeah. Um, he put this on his Instagram because the MPAA just put out their rating of it which means a cut is done to be rated. Mm-hmm. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong is rated PG-13, obviously, for intense sequences of creature violence slash destruction. Well, Kong vs. Godzilla, so fucking duh. Right? And brief language. Uh, Adam Wingard then put in his Instagram post under that, that's an understatement, uh, winky emoticon. Okay. Winky face emoticon. So, uh, we're that much closer to... Giant monster kaiju destruction. Could be okay. I mean, we'll find out. It's for the director of the guest. But it's also for the director. <laughs> those other movies, though. It's the same director, goddammit. Um, keep it in line with how we like to point out racial hypocrisy and liberal Hollywood still getting uh, racial stuff wrong, right? Often, mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. early and often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, flashing back a little bit to, uh, I mean, it was a different time, Drew. It was a much more racist, different time. But going back to um, 2012, mm. mm-hmm. Ben Affleck gets praised to high heavens for writing, directing, and starring in, you said it, Drew, Argo. Okay. Right, remember Argo? Yeah. In Argo, where he plays Tony Mendez, yeah, Agent Tony Mendez. Okay. Uh, Mendez. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Remember that? Okay, didn't that didn't even didn't, 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 nope, click, at the time. didn't click that. Nope. Um, Edward James Olmos, uh, at the time was not a fan of the casting. Okay, and someone asked him now. Well, okay, where where he goes? Uh, 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 he asked the interviewer during an interview. Edward James Olmos spoke about his attempts to make movies about his own culture and ethnicity. He asked the interviewer if you could name one Medal of Honor winning hero who's Latino has been shown in a movie. When the interviewer couldn't think of any, almost continued, quote, there's not one. That's why I can't name them, because there isn't any. And when they have made movies about Latinos, quote, our heroes, say like Tony Mendez and Argo, Ben Affleck played Tony Mendez. He should never have played Tony Mendez. Yeah, no. He was a director, and he should have either gotten Michael Pena, or Andy Garcia, or myself, Jimmy Smith, any one of a multitude of people that can handle those roles. He said, well, they wouldn't have made the movie if I wasn't playing the role. Bullshit. He was directing it. He wrote it. It won the best film of the year Academy Award. So what are you talking about? Tony Mendez was a Chicano, Mexican-American, born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Now, 99% of the people don't even know that. End quote. I am part of that 99%. Yeah. Uh, but then meanwhile, just to throw a monkey wrench in the works there, Tony Mendez himself, back when Argo came out, he said in an interview to Embassy Latino that he really didn't think of himself as Hispanic. <laughs> So he didn't give a shit. I think he's actually half. He may be half Chicano. Okay. And he identifies with the white well, half. More he he didn't care Chicano at the time, half. but now he gives a fuck. No, he still doesn't care. Mendez doesn't care. Okay. Edward James almost is the one who gives a fuck. Okay. As a Hispanic actor mm-hmm. who could never get Hispanic stories told, and then having some white guy whitewash a Hispanic story here a little bit. Um, but yeah, there you go. Just just keep up with the racial times. Fun. And, and, the, and the, the 
liberal Hollywood liberal hypocrisy. Although I will say this, there really isn't, you know, blackface is a thing historically because of uh, minstrel shows and and mm-hmm. the whole bamboozle thing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, black people not even be allowed to play black characters, so mm-hmm. they say a black or so white people, to. and they do these crazy caricatures. Yeah. Um, isn't really the same thing for Hispanics. Uh, there isn't like there, it sort of is like Speedy Gonzalez. That's what I'm talking about the Looney well, yeah, Tunes yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, and not even so much Speedy Gonzalez because he's just a fast character. Yeah. But uh, his buddy Slowpoke Rodriguez yeah, is yeah. the stereotype Stereotypical, of the yeah the the slow. I'm gonna take a siesta, Speedy. I'm so tired all the time because I'm a lazy Mexican. No, the reason you're taking a siesta is because you've been up since fucking five o'clock in the morning. Working. You're working in the fucking field. And you, so you've already been working 10 hours. Go ahead and take a nap. And it's 105 <laughs> degrees outside. I'm saying, go ahead and take a nap. That's why I have midday siesta because it's the hottest time of the day. Yeah. That's why you have siesta. Oh, no, he's a lazy Mexican. <laughs> um, And then Pepe Le Pew and all that stuff, right? The the whole, all that shit. The mega rapey French guy. So you you, you got that all all gone. What's going to be my, I'm not. I don't know, you lost your point. Because I was having fun doing the slow, the slow thing. It's so much fun to talk about that. It is. The the representations. Oh, um, so brown face necessarily isn't the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's nebulous. It's all about intention at that point. Um, So the example I go to. Because I remember SBK asked me about this, and it was right around the. It was all at the same time. I'm on SBK Live doing my segment there before we have the podcast, and uh, Will Ferrell's Casa de mi Padre comes out, mm-hmm. which is his movie, but it's a telenovela. Yes, right. And the quote joke in the movie is that it's like a it's a comedy, but he is playing the role seriously. He's the son of a rancher. Um, and he does the whole thing in Spanish, and it's subtitled. And he's playing a Mexican guy, but he's white. He's Will Ferrell. He's no. white as fuck. So why is th- why was that not offensive? Why was that not brownface? First off, when it comes to Hispanics, we we have the range of the rainbow. Yeah, I was about to say. You know, we we, we can be as pale as we can be, mm-hmm. and then we can be black, Afro-Cuban, like black, black. My step grandfather Acevedo was black as night. So. Uh, you can throw any like Hispanic, unless you're doing like a specific. I'm playing uh, this Mexican character who's brown skin, a real life person. Yeah. But then we're have a lighter person, you know, sort of mm-hmm. like a Nina Simone yeah. scenario that happened with them. Zoe Saldana, where they they gave her darker makeup to play Nina Simone, and black people were like, "Whoa, <laughs> you just gave that black Spanish lady black face." <laughs> and Zoe Saldana was like, "Oh, <laughs> my, I didn't mean to." I was just, my bad. <laughs> no, I really didn't think about that. Thanks for bringing it up. It's crazy how that shit happens. Um, but Will Ferrell, he wasn't, he was, he was, the character was a dumb character, but he wasn't dumb for being Spanish. He was just no, dumb he was because dumb he's Will Ferrell. It's a Will Ferrell character. <laughs> right, exactly. But then all the roles around him were played by Spanish people. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a Spanish director, Spanish-American, mm-hmm. I think. So um, it wasn't done to like make fun of Mexicans. It was making fun of the telenovela genre yes. because it's an insane genre. You're satirizing them. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so again, it's like I mean, and, 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 is and a in very a, important and, thing. And in all reality, uh, Will Ferrell is definitely the idiot in that movie. Hundred <laughs> percent, he's the idiot. Everyone else around him. Well, also had the the fat guy, the fat Spanish guy who, uh, like, I think it's Man on Fire, where he plays like a really rapey. Uh, I think it's Man on Fire. He's a great character actor. He's a fat dude with like he looks like he has greasy hair sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, but in this one he plays like a good guy, but he's also a bit of an idiot. Anyway. Costume Padre was fun. I'm not good, but it's fun. 
Uh, how many stories have I? Oh, final story. Here we go. Ari Aster, director of Midsummer and Hereditary, has a new movie coming up. Okay. He described Midsummer as an apocalyptic breakup movie. And then that came out, and we're like, oh, this is what you meant. Yeah. His next movie he is describing as a four-hour nightmare comedy. <laughs> yes. Wait a minute. Yes. Perfect. So nothing we've seen has been a nightmare yet? Well, okay. For a comedy? I feel like... <laughs> I was about to say, because I laughed a lot in... Midsummer. Midsummer. Is, is funny. Hereditary has and, its and moments. Uh, I mean, uh, I shouldn't have, but dude, when that girl's head when he hits gets, the fucking post, when he I the laugh thunk, every time. It's, it's <laughs> every either, time yeah. I giggle. It's like a... It's a yeah. It's a reaction. I can't... It's like, how do I, how do, so, how do I process this insanity? This is, an, this is an insane thing that just happened. I have to process it now. <laughs> exactly. And people look at you like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I, Drew, I had the exact I'm same sorry. thing. That happened to me once when I was watching um, uh, Pack Pack Theater for The Road. <laughs> you laughed in The Road? I laughed. <laughs> and, and, and the theater was quiet. And then uh, we were with Matty J and Matt Lee. He like, looked at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> Even he was like, what yeah. the fuck? He was embarrassed, I guess. But it was a moment where, like, two thirds of the way through a movie, and it's a harrowing movie. Vigo's character, he takes a. A bow and arrow to the leg. Mm -hmm, yeah. And already I'm fascinated that this fucking dark ass shit, Cormac McCarthy um, is adaptation, even being made. It's made, it's in a theater. It's just, people and are watching it's it. It's a packed, big auditorium, packed theater. Like it got a big release. I'm shocked. Uh, when things like that happen to me, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe all these people are about to watch this thing. It's like seeing Drive. And then I can't all, believe all these people are watching Drive. Exactly. Like, this is fucked up. Um, so he gets an arrow in his thigh, like upper thigh. Yeah. Uh, so he, him and his son, they get inside a, a house. I've only seen this movie once. They get inside a house and they have to do some quick field surgery. Get this, break this arrow. We got to get this push thing out through. of here. Push yeah. it through something. I can't remember exactly what they do, but I do remember a close up. They do the close up of the leg, the arrows in it. He's like, whatever, he's pulling it in or out. It's very graphic. And I, I was like, ha, I just let out a laugh because then I was laughing. At the idea that who was oh it's John Hillcoat that's why it's so fucked up the guy who did the proposition mm -hmm. and Lawless yeah he's a hardcore director hardcore Australian dude so the idea of Hillcoat's like we're gonna have boy we're gonna have a scene where the arrow's gonna be <laughs> in your leg mate and you're gonna have to pull it up get the camera closer get the blood get dark blood I want dark black blood coming out of this hole mate the idea of him making the scene and then now we're hundreds of people in this, in this room are watching this so it, was, it struck me as hysterical yeah. it was probably also just a defense mechanism to the horror scene mm -hmm. yeah, more and what could be a very possible future to all of us actually maybe yeah. I should rewatch it now just for like I mean yeah that's that's definitely tips. one of the possible futures yeah, Chris just, 100% we should just re-release the movie uh, but instead of calling it the road call it survival tips <laughs> it'll be a number one blockbuster Survival uh, Trips by Cormac McCarthy. Survival Tips by, written by Cormac McCarthy, directed by John Elgo. I keep getting, I keep getting over and over the ta people tagging me in that black. You must have seen this by now. The black, just black square, mm -hmm. and it says 2020, written by, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Okay, have you seen that? Don't think so. I, I've gotten tagged over and over for the last several months and then I've even done somewhere like let me let me fix this I'm like 2020 written and directed by Tommy Wiseau that makes more sense yeah definitely Quentin Tarantino it's too cool to be directed by Tarantino it's gotta be directed by Uwe Boll or uh, written by Oliver Stone or Damon Lindelof like things just don't make sense <laughs> it's like conspiratorial you guys you're all fucking it up but I keep getting tagging the same thing over yeah. and over mm -hmm. uh 
what was I, I was, I was going to tie that in. Oh, so 2020 is like fucking directed by John Hillcoat. It's just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Written by Corey McCarthy, directed by John Hillcoat is 2020. 2020, yeah, pretty much. For yeah. sure. And that's what happens when you take one year and you wrap in uh, the race, the 60s race riots, the fucking depression of the 30s, yeah. and uh, what else we got going on? With the oil stuff, we have a little bit of a 70s oil crisis. A little bit of yeah. energy oil crisis. Uh, yeah, we got, we, got, we got the same. 20s plague. Uh, oh, yeah, and the, uh, the, the 1920s pandemic yeah, Glo- pandemic. global wide pandemic global, global pandemic i mean in, in a, f- a few months ago it, lest anyone forget there was an entire continent on fire <laughs> it's, it's like uh the best of 20th century uh disasters mixtape it really is and we're just 2020 remix 2020 remix remix that's what's happening right now so we hope you guys are you're alive oh and the Oompa- and we have the Oompa Loompa president Oompa Loompa president put uh, fencing and razor wire around the White House. That's our house. That's people's house. We pay for that shit. Uh, so we should definitely be uh, raiding, raiding the front soon with which, with pitchforks. That's definitely the third thing to get us flagged on this episode. <laughs> I mean, the, the pitchforks and the fucking torches. The torches are already here. <laughs> they have, well, once people find the fucking pitchfork stash, we are screwed. They are, they are breaking out. I've seen now at least one protest in America. Someone broke out a guillotine in the street. There's, oh, there's a guillotine not, in the middle of the street. Dude, anybody with a eight-figure income should be very afraid of that. Right, <laughs> and in Puerto Rico, someone um, mocked up a guillotine for the, the last year's... Um, Ricky Renuncia, hashtag Ricky Renuncia, to get the governor to resign, mm-hmm. which he did do, protest work. Um, they had a guillotine out for that, so and, of course he resigned, Yeah, and uh, and they broke it out again. The same dude broke, broke, broke out for the Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah, once you, if you see a guillotine in a town square, no. just fucking run. <laughs> two guillotines out there. <laughs> so abolish the police, break out the guillotines, here we go, guys, it's a revolution. Uh, it will be televised, apparently. Spike Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike Lee was right yeah. about a lot of stuff. Appa- apparently, it will be televised and digitized. Spike Lee said that? It's, it's <laughs> televised, digitized, Twitterized, uh, censored, uncensored. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And uh, we have I, have... I have some dinner to eat. So, that's the episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Drew. You're welcome, Chris. Uh, stay safe out there, protesters. Mask up. I haven't done it. I, I, I used to do a sign-off, big old sign-off. I need to do a new sign-off, Drew. Here we go. 2020 sign-off. Hashtag mask up. Hashtag abolish the police. Uh, all right, we'll start from there. We'll just, we'll just start there, no, and then we'll build. Okay. Hashtag mask up. Hashtag abolish the police. A PFT Media Production.